This is a Music Therapy Chronicles podcast episode with your host, Trisha Coyote. Someone should definitely keep count of how many times I say the word space in this episode. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote. I'm your weekly host and a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider leaving us a rating and review. We really appreciate them. You can find more podcast episodes, links to our pod courses, the self-care community, links to all of our social media, and get on our monthly newsletter all at musictherapychronicles.com. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today, and you can always reach me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. I hope you're having a fabulous day, a wonderful week, and navigating whatever life is throwing your way. And I want to start off today's episode uh, by thanking you, of course, for listening to this episode, for making the space and time to listen to this podcast of all the things you could be doing right now. So thank you for that. And I also want to thank you for giving me the space to do episodes like this. I had a completely different topic planned for today. And, you know, do you, does anyone else ever get like you, you have these ideas or these projects or assignments, things that need to be done, and you can just feel it in your body when it's the right time to do something and when it's just not quite the right time to do something and yeah we have to um we have to acknowledge deadlines and and be professional and in that way and you know all that good stuff but sometimes there's beauty in taking this space so today uh, thank you for giving me that and I want to um let you know, maybe you could tell already, that I am recording in a different space than usual. I have opted to record today's podcast episode outside because it is a beautiful spring afternoon in New England and I got home from work today and the last thing I wanted to do was sit in a small dark corner with my laptop and record an episode. And so yeah, I've opted to bring all my stuff outside and set it up, and I um, thank you for bearing with me with whatever sound quality comes through. I don't have my complete usual setup. Things are a little different, um, so we'll see how it turns out, and of course there's going to be outside noise. There are sounds of maybe you'll hear birds, you'll probably hear the construction next door, you might hear Piper, you might hear my creaky chair, um, maybe some cars going by lawn equipment who knows you know it's spring in new england so thank you for giving me the space <laughs> to to do this to do this outside to adapt with me 
um, and yeah, and to be here for, for this topic. So as I go through some of my points about space today, I'm going to shift back and forth between space in our professional lives and space in our personal lives. Now, of course, um, the two interlap and overlap, interlap, <laughs> the two overlap uh, a ton. And so any any points that you can take from one area of your life can, of course, be brought over to another. But yeah, I thought about kind of trying to distinguish the two, like doing professional like umbrella first and then going into personal. And as I was making notes for this episode, um, yeah, that just didn't make sense. So yeah, we're going to be going back and forth about space in our professional lives and space in our personal lives. And see where it takes us. Um, And I really hope that this conversation um, makes, I hope this becomes a conversation. I would love to hear other people's thoughts on this topic, on the things I'm going to get into and how you are um, embracing or maybe not embracing space in your life right now. So the first thing I think we should all take space for right now uh, is for ourselves, and that's by taking the deepest breath you have taken all day. And I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to move my microphone away from my face. I don't know about you, but that creates literal space in my body. Um as well as in my brain, (laughs) which is, you know, where this whole idea of this episode for space came through. But let's, let's talk about clinical space for a second. Um, And now that I've said that, I realized that I could, well, I, so, (laughs) wow, this is just kind of all coming through. So I was thinking space, like, time wise, but then I said the word clinical space. And now I'm thinking like, physical presentation of space. And yeah, so let's go with that for a second. So clinical space, if you have the wonderful opportunity um, and privilege to be able to set up and like dictate a clinical space, wonderful, more power to you, please do that. (laughs) Um, You know, everything from how we're setting up chairs, are there chairs, are there options for seating slash standing is there a table where are the instruments are there instruments scarves blah 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 whatever so from my experience as being a traveling music therapist there are so many more often than not classes uh, that I walk into the classroom to facilitate music therapy and so I have very little say over what the space for my session will look like now of course if I walk in I can say please make a circle Um, you know maybe these two students shouldn't sit next to each other today or we should face this way to minimize our distractions or we should face the door because sometimes our students are um, uh, they, they just get nervous about having their back to the door for whatever reason that may be so yeah when you're walking into a classroom do what you can to set up that space, of course, to set everyone up for success. But if you are really creating your own clinic atmosphere, um, I'm mostly thinking about groups here, but some things, I guess some random things that I've done over the years, 
if I'm doing a group session with instruments, um, sometimes I leave the instruments on the chair, right? And the, the clients get to come in and kind of pick the instrument they want, either based on the instrument or based on where they're sitting. And um, sometimes you'll see people choose seating placement over the instrument just because they want to be near someone else or what have you. Sometimes I will put the instruments in the middle so that when people come in, um, it's not as enticing and exciting to touch an instrument right away, right? There's a little bit of a boundary there. Come in, please take a seat. You know, we'll get to the instruments. Everyone can kind of look and see what all the options are. Sometimes I'll even put a cloth down in the middle of the circle with the instruments on top of it, creating even more visual space. Like this is where the instruments are living. You can come up to the rug, to the cloth, um, and choose one. And then when it's time to put them back, it there's more... Um, I'm telling you guys, I'm going to say space so many times. There's a very obvious visual space of where the instruments are going to go at the end of the session. I've also had sometimes, um, especially littles, get really excited and they run up to whatever may be on the floor. And if that's a slippery surface, that can get a little hairy. So a little bit of um, forewarning there, if that's something you're doing. I touched on facing the door, but I also have students, I've noticed, if I leave the windows open and the breeze blows... And the curtains are, you know, those plasticky school blind type, um, they rattle. And more often than not, every student in the classroom, their head will whip around to look at that window. And so over time, I've kind of played with, well, what if we're already facing the window? Would that sound be less foreign um, or less anxiety inducing, I guess, or startling? So anyway, those, I wasn't even thinking to talk about that originally, but some setting up your physical space, your physical clinical space. In the self-care community, uh, February, we focused on environmental self-care. And so that was also, you know, setting up our personal space to set us up for success. When you go to your workspace every day, is it calm and inviting or is it cluttered with all your things left over from the last day and which one is setting you up more for success and no judgment either way we all work differently but how can you set up your personal environment your professional environment for set it up for your success as much as it's set up for your clients success maybe spend some time pondering on that idea so originally when I thought of clinical space again I was thinking about time um, and and really space in congruence with with patients and things like you know leaving processing time I can't tell you how many times I've had a session where a family member or staff or whoever caregiver is present will acknowledge the amount of processing time I leave and sometimes it's a question like you know why why is there just like random silence or you know what's going on and sometimes it's like true acknowledgement like I see that you are leaving them processing time and you're not prompting them every five seconds like you're waiting 10 20 30 seconds and more often than not like if you just wait long enough the client will respond and it's spontaneous at times, you know, um, spontaneous, I guess that maybe that wasn't the right word. It's we are expecting a response, right? Or we are hoping for a response. But 
sometimes when we just leave that space that quiet and let it hang we get something we never even imagined could have come out or could have come to fruition and and those moments are so beautiful um if you are leaving quiet processing time space like in the music per se um, I'm not a neurologic music therapist but I did take a workshop where they pointed out that when you leave that musical space that processing time um, to keep the rhythm going because I guess that you know keeps the brain firing in time with whatever music was playing and therefore um, if you you know stop all rhythm when you stop the music then the the brain kind of doesn't have anything to latch on to to elicit that response that we're hoping to get so yeah leave the space but leave some rhythm going if you if you were, were doing that prior to space leaving <laughs> um and I want to give give an example about like a very specific example um about space and patience and time and making space for our clients so I um am fortunate enough to work at a, a lovely school with kiddos of all ages we got elementary all the way through high school who um, all have IEPs for for various needs and most of them are more social emotional based and so I have this one kiddo you know many but I'm thinking of this one and he comes in every week and he is making silly noises and you know doing funny things and kind of like doing what we would call attention-seeking behavior, right? Like he would do something and then look at the teacher and expect a reaction or a response or a redirection or something. Um, Another way to reframe this attention-seeking behavior term, we could say connection-seeking behavior. He, of course, is looking for attention, um, but to get rid of that negative connotation, we could say connection. He's looking for a connection, and the best way he knows how to get one is to do these things that he knows get under the teacher's skin and he will get that you know negative attention is better than no attention so anyway each week he comes in um doing his thing looking for that that attention and he gets the one-on-one attention and the past couple weeks we've been doing some awesome projects in band lab if you haven't checked out band lab definitely do that if it's appropriate for the people you work with and each week, you know, I kind of give him some space, right, to, to see if he'll he'll redirect himself, he'll self-direct. And usually he doesn't, and that's okay. And whatever staff member has come in with him is, you know, usually kind of at the um, ignoring point, not, not in a mal- malicious way, just trying not to give him that enforcement that he's looking for. So I'll usually step in and just like with such like how do I say this so ready for whatever like just opening the computer could take us five minutes I'm like I'm ready for that the rest of the students are going they have their laptops open if they want help they'll raise their hand I walk over to this kiddo hey like are we ready to start we're gonna open our laptop okay open our laptop and okay we're gonna type in our our login I can't do it and you know this goes back and forth where this is the next step I'll give him the next step and he'll say, I can't do it, or will you do it for me, or it's too hard, or, you know, whatever it is to to really keep that one-on-one attention. And I just stay there and give him that space in the session to say, like, oh, it's okay. 
I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you to be ready. Or I see you typed in the first letter. You know, what's the next letter? Let's sound it out together. And just staying there, you know, eye level with him. Not to say eye contact is what we're working on, but I'm there with him. I'm level with him. I'm letting him, you know, when he's ready, he'll take that next step. And I'm there to just direct it. This is what the next thing is to open this and to get us ready for that. And giving him that one-on-one space and I've noticed in the sessions where I do this in the first five minutes he's set up and ready to go and the rest of the session is smooth sailing he's gotten that attention he needs he's been given the space he's been given the time the attention the connection he's wanted and so I recognize like super privileged position to even be able to do that in a session that the rest of my students can do their thing and staff can step in as needed and yada yada Um, but if you have the ability to give your students that space that they are craving to give them a direction or an instruction or a step and when they get frustrated or you know even before they get frustrated it's just easier for them to say oh i can't do it just give them the space i know you can do it i've seen you do it i believe you can do it well we'll wait till you're ready you know that's their space to take up and lately i've just really been seeing how empowering that is um for this particular student, but for a lot of my students to just give them that space. And sometimes that's taking a break, right? Sometimes they are truly frustrated and it's, all right, you, you do what you're doing. And when you're ready, I'll be here and we can move on with the session. You know, when you're ready, we can do X, Y, Z. Um, and so many of my students, you know, taking a break can come with like a lot of negativity or confusion or animosity so allowing space for there to be a break and for them to return when they're ready I think is is super empowering it um it creates such a deep connection between you and your clients because you're you're seeing them and you're seeing their needs and you know in the rest of their day they might not have the space to truly meet those needs those needs of taking a break of having quiet of taking a breath who knows so anyway those are some some meanderings on clinical space all right let's talk about space in our personal lives for a sec so something that i have experimented with in the past few years um partially because of the pandemic pandemic (laughs) partially because of the pandemic um and also because of you know running a business running a podcast being a traveling music therapist like my schedule's crazy um like most people's are and so I've really experimented a lot with block scheduling or, or um yeah box scheduling where I I choose to use um google calendar And I literally block out my day. Like I make blocks of time for these are my sessions. This is when I'm doing paperwork. This is when I'm recording podcasts. This is when I'm making dinner. This is when I'm walking the dog. This is when I get to read my book at night. And maybe I'll take a bath if I have like an extra 30 minutes. And so for a while that really served me. 
um, because I learned that things sometimes, or more often than not, take longer than I think they will. You know, I'd give myself a block, um, I'd say an hour block to do a podcast episode. And I'd sit down to do it. And three hours later, I would realize that I missed the next two blocks in my schedule because the podcast recording took way longer than I thought. So, you know, there was a lot of learning with that of how much time things actually take. Um, But, you know, planning out my day for, I know most, not most, but a lot of people also benefit from having a schedule and knowing what's coming and having their day planned out and knowing where everything will fit. And, um... Hopefully the wind isn't too loud for you right now. Um, Yeah, so space, right? So sometimes when I look at my blocked out schedule for the week, it is so overwhelming, right? Every piece of space is filled with color and details and lists or whatever, whatever my brain needed to get out. And so sometimes I try and I've been experimenting with leaving space literally just not putting anything in a certain amount of time and um usually that means things bleed over and that could be excuse me could be I don't want to say good or bad but it could be like hey work bleeds over like work I have two hours of unmarked time and 30 minutes of it ends up going to work and sometimes it's 30 minutes of it ends up going to making dinner like an extra 30 minutes of making dinner and just enjoying cooking and or an extra 30 minutes of walking the dog because she's game to go for a longer walk and the days are longer and it's warm out and we want to do that so yeah leaving space in my schedule but sometimes also scheduling in that space um I learned of the term boredom time from my wonderful friend Kate Shannon. If you don't know who Kate is, um, where are you? Who are you? What are you doing? (laughs) Kate runs Creative Therapy Umbrella. And she was talking about boredom time and planning in time to be bored. Because that's when the creative juices are flowing, when things come through, when we are problem solving, like when we don't plan anything to do we just let ourselves be bored and that like that's different than planning in excuse me say meditation or a nap or quiet time time to let yourself be bored so that your brain does all those things it it does because it wants something to do right it wants something to latch on to and so planning in boredom time um space for that sometimes I plan in creative time um whether that's painting or drawing or macrame or knitting or anytime journaling, anytime I get to create something, I try and do, you know, at least some small piece of creation for myself every day. Um, But sometimes I want larger chunks of time, you know, to, to really work on something and to dive into it and not even be good at the craft, but just to get into that flow of creation. Um, I often miss the times I spent in a practice room as an undergraduate student. You know, I wasn't super in love at the time with um, practicing and making time for that. But something about the flow you get into when you're practicing a piece of music and you just feel yourself getting better and better and better at it. Um, And of course, we do that now as professionals, but it just feels a little different. 
Anyway, so planning in, or I guess either leaving space in your schedule to just let it fill up with, you know, what have you and not feeling like everything is so constrained. Yeah, constrained. Or literally planning in space in your schedule um, to do, you know, to be bored, to be creative, to whatever. Giving yourself, making space for yourself. Because inevitably that time will go by. That space will get used up by something. Another space. um, Auditory space. Thank you for letting me be in your auditory space right now. I appreciate that. I think that as a society, as humans, we so often can fill our our earwaves constantly um you know there's I'm driving in the car I'm making dinner I'm folding laundry I'm walking the dog I'm doing whatever and there's a podcast there's music there's YouTube there's the news there's whatever something is always playing making noise filling up that auditory space in my life and what if we consciously chose to leave that space to not have anything playing or blasting or blaring in the background you know what would we what would we hear <laughs> both um physically i guess is hearing physical um what would we hear but also internally what would we hear you know, again, what would our brains be able to do? Would we be problem solving in the foreground or the background of our minds by having that auditory space? I'm curious. Like I said, I'm hoping this kind of turns into a conversation because I'd love to hear people's thoughts on on these. Or have you tried these things? What's been your experience? Ooh, emotional space. Okay, so... I think a lot of times in session, we are leaving emotional space for our clients or we want to, right? We want to leave space for self-expression and um, regulation and like exploring emotions. But how many times have we, myself included, how many times have I seen a client genuinely get upset or start to cry or show frustration and I immediately say oh no honey it's okay it's okay everything's fine I'm right here we'll do it together we'll figure it out whoa full stop Trisha like leave space for that emotion it's okay to console and to support and to reflect and all that good stuff but that emotion is being experienced and being expressed and so you know why stifle it (laughs) why stifle it and of course i'm not saying let your clients um become agitated and escalated and more and more upset and you know of course don't feed into their their um negative don't love the word negative but they're negative emotions but let there be space for those emotions and the same for you in your personal life um i don't know if it's 
the past couple years or if it's something I've been eating or drinking, but I feel like my moods and emotions lately have been like high highs and low lows all in the same day every day. <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, right? Like the lows, especially I'm like, you know, just gotta push through, gotta get back to that next high. Why am I feeling that way? My day's been really good until XYZ happened and it's not that big of a deal and blah, blah, blah. And then I give myself the space to say, what am I feeling? I'm giving myself this space to feel it. I'm just gonna sit and feel this emotion or express this emotion and see what it is and where it's coming from and why it's coming up. And usually as soon as I give myself the permission to experience the emotion, it goes through, like it passes, it processes, it's fine, (laughs) right? So by allowing the space for these emotions instead of blocking and stifling and pushing them down, really truly creating the space for them is when they become processed. Emotion is energy in motion. So by letting there be that motion, that acknowledgement, that space, that expression, that's how the emotions get out and don't get stuck inside of our bodies and our psyche. So yeah, have you been giving yourself emotional space lately? Because something tells me that many of us are experiencing lots of emotions for lots of reasons and could benefit from having just a little bit more space to experience and express them. All right. I want to talk about space and mistakes. Mistakes in um, quotations. Because... I have found that sometimes when I make a mistake and then I leave space, it is no longer a mistake. It is a happy accident, (laughs) a beautifully happy accident. So for example, if I'm improvising with a client or even doing, you know, recreative music and I make a mistake, I hit the wrong chord, I sing the long lyrics, I do something spontaneously silly that I wasn't expecting and it feels like a mistake. I messed up. It didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Things are different than I expected. And I could acknowledge the mistake. Like, oh, I messed up. You know, let me try that again. I know I can do that better or, you know, whatever. Sometimes there's power in that. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's important to acknowledge our mistakes so that our clients can see that we as adults make mistakes. But sometimes I just let it hang. Leave space after the mistake. And sometimes the client will play on the mistake. Like they'll go with it. Like something is new and exciting and different. It has changed our way of thinking. It has abruptly altered what we are doing. And if we've created a safe environment, a safe space where it's okay to explore things that are new and different, then they might go with that mistake. And like I said, it might turn into a beautifully happy accident. So I'll go with... um, egg shaker passing. If you've never done an egg shaker passing, um, basically you sit in a circle, everyone has an egg shaker. There's a certain uh, rhythm, routine, whatever that you do to pass the egg shakers so that everyone is passing the egg shakers in time, theoretically, ideally, so that all the egg shakers get passed. Everyone's, you know, together. Um, And here's the mistake an egg shaker gets dropped for whatever reason because someone's butt up because someone missed someone else's hand because we weren't looking because we're out of tempo whatever 
So sometimes I'll drop the egg shakers on purpose. Made a mistake. Um, and then I'll leave it on the ground, right? I'm not correcting my mistake. I very clearly made one. I dropped the egg shaker. But I just leave, you know, leave it, leave the space. See what happens. And usually one of two things will happen. Either the group, the clients will work together to help me pick up that egg. And I'm not saying I'm bending down and picking up the egg. I'm saying they're basically doing all the work for me to fix my mistake. They'll pick up the egg and figure out a way to work it back into the cycle so that the mistake is fixed as if it never happened. How awesome is that? Group support, teamwork, working together, acknowledging that someone else has made a mistake that affects everyone, and yet they are taking it upon themselves to remedy the mistake. Very cool. Or people become upset, or more egg shakers are dropped, or other mistakes happen. Some combination of those things uh, where the mistake is not remedied. And then we have an awesome group discussion about responsibilities and overwhelm and how sometimes we make mistakes and it's okay and sometimes it's upsetting to other people and it's okay and what if we worked together or what could we do to set up this activity to make this environment in such a way that we can all be successful what can we do to set ourselves up for success so it becomes, you know, like I said, either a beautiful, it's team building either way. It's either everyone works together to fix mistakes or everyone works together after working through the emotions of being upset that the mistake happened, works together on how can we make sure this doesn't happen again in this activity, but also in our lives, you know, big metaphor here. Sometimes you got to put something down to focus on all the other egg shakers that are coming. Sometimes you need one less egg shaker in the circle and that's okay. If you um, don't use egg shaker passing or haven't in a while, and it is an appropriate activity to do with your groups, I highly suggest it. Uh, Every time I do it, I kind of like forget about it for a while and then bring it back. And I am always pleasantly surprised by everything we can get done through an egg shaker passing activity. So yeah, these are some of the thoughts I had on space today as I prepared um, to do an episode, to have an episode out for you guys this week and, you know, had a topic that I felt like I could have could have gotten through and got most of the ideas in my head out and, you know, it would have been okay, but it just didn't feel like the right thing to be talking about today in this moment. Um, and by giving myself the space to think about what else could I talk about? What is on my heart? What is on my mind? You know, coming up with the idea for space, giving myself the space to pivot, to do something different than what I had originally thought, then giving myself the space to kind of get all my ideas out. And um, hopefully I have put them together well enough here that you could follow most of them and and feel kind of what I'm going for with where can we bring more space into our lives personally and professionally where can we give our clients more space both in our time our attention in their response time in um, taking breaks in trying new things 
Where can we have more space in our days, in our schedule? Where can we schedule in space? How can we benefit from creating space, even if it's just auditorily? And what if we gave ourselves space to make mistakes? And to not always see them as mistakes or immediately apologize and jump on and identify why it's a mistake. But the space to instead, internally, just let there be that space for something happened that was unexpected. And not identify it as a mistake, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Let there be that space for it to not be a mistake, for it to be a happy accident. Yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I I wish this was um, it was like a roundtable discussion about people's experiences and thoughts on space, clinically and um, personally. And I feel like this is you know this is like not even scratching the surface because we could talk more about again physical space or other people's experiences living leaving space and you know how we're experimenting with that in our own lives and um, challenges we're coming up with or benefits we're seeing yeah this idea of space what is it bringing into your life that'll be my question you can you can answer that um, on social media at music therapy chronicles or you can email me, hello at musictherapychronicles.com. I'd love to hear from you, truly, truly. What is your current experience with space? How are you experiencing space? Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thank you for bearing with me with whatever sounds came through this audio, um, expected or unexpected. I am really grateful to be able to um, set up and do this outside when I when I want to and when I can. Uh, it is getting a little bit cooler now, though, and I'm going to pack up my stuff and go inside. <laughs> but thank you, dear listener, so much for tuning into this podcast episode, for listening each week, for your support of the show and its evolution and for joining in the conversation. I truly love hearing from each and every one of you, your thoughts, opinions. Um, And if you or someone you know is interested in being on the show, please reach out to me at hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Even if you feel like you might not have a lot to share, or you have an inkling of an idea, or you just want to have a conversation, I would love to connect with you. So yeah, please reach out. Um, I'd love to hear from you. And with that, uh, we'll wrap up today's episode on space. This podcast is sponsored by the Music Therapy Podcast Collective, also known as MTPC, where you can find a variety of CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. 
all of MTPC's pod courses are built on a listen, learn, apply model, where you start by listening to some assigned podcast episodes, then move into learning with the assistance of a workbook filled with resources for you to start your self-study towards whatever topics are most interesting, inspiring, and applicable to your practice. And then we finish with the apply section, which includes an office hour and a worksheet to determine how you are going to apply your learning to your personal life or professional practice. You can find all the Music Therapy Chronicles pod courses on our website, musictherapychronicles.com, and you can find the entire catalog of pod courses at MTPC's website, mtpodcastcollective.com. Make sure you also get on the MTPC newsletter for 10% off your first pod course purchase. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and got a lot out of it. If you're looking for more Music Therapy Chronicles, you can check out our website, musictherapychronicles.com, for more episodes, blog posts, social media links, um, contact information, our self-care community, and our CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. Hop on our monthly newsletter if you haven't already, and follow us on social media for just staying up to date on what's going on behind the scenes. We are Music Therapy Chronicles on all of the platforms. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. They really help the podcast be more visible so more people like you who are looking for this type of content can find it. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode, and I'll see you in the next one.